Dave and Ryan's movie review, take nine, and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by nobody. Welcome in to another week of Dave and Ryan's movie review. Uh, today we're gonna you're gonna get a twofer on this show. Ooh, a twofer. That's right. We 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 have a couple of different reviews, and we're gonna start with one. Actually, came out last week, but since we did Barbie movie, we we kind of went and and did this one separately on our own, which is redundant. This is how what it I just be. said. <laughs> we we each individually went and saw. Um, Oppenheimer. Um, this one is, I'll tell you what, this movie, we, we talked about it before, the fact that Christopher Nolan does not care if you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. The, honestly, if this was a great movie, I just felt it was an hour too long. It, well, it, it had to tell the whole story as far as Christopher Nolan's concerned, I guess. So three hours on this one. Yeah, I, I do like the way that uh, he showed the kind of like uh, what they were thinking inside there, the psych sort like the psychic. Of that, how you know how they were feeling, and, and the thing about the movie, and it's a Christopher Nolan. It's everybody's in this movie. Yeah, uh, Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Kenneth Branagh, Gary Oldman, and that's just barely scraping the surface of who is in this movie. Yes, uh, the movie itself deals with uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is really known as the father of the atomic bomb. Yes, and during the World War II. Uh, they decided that we needed to do something about this because the Germans were gaining ground. Yeah, they were building a bomb of their own. And there was a very poignant line in it when he was trying to explain to somebody why he was doing what he was doing. And he says, look, he says, I don't know if we can be trusted with this, but I know that the Germans can't. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite part of the movie was like, oh, you know, we might... Um Burn up the atmosphere. Might catch the atmosphere. Yeah. Well, what's the percentage on that? That's near zero. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we have zero? Why can't we have zero? <laughs> but it kind of goes through. I, I think it really, that's kind of a side story to it. And, and it really, the main focus of the movie is how he was treated after. Oh, yeah. Because he was a huge, huge opponent of the uh, the nuclear bomb. Yeah, and, the, the whole movie's wrapped around that. And he was actually, um, had his security clearance taken away from him because of uh, coming out and saying what he said about the federal government and about the nuclear age and and where things were going. And uh, you and I talked about this. I I believe out of this movie, um, Killian Murphy gets nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor. Yes, I believe so. And I believe that Robert Downey Jr. will get nominated for Best Supporting Actor in this one. Oh, yeah. I Honestly, if they don't win, I'd be very surprised. There's only one person, one movie coming up that hasn't been released yet that I think will uh, kind of rival the uh, leading actor, and that's Napoleon, but that comes out later this year. And, and we've, we talked about that, too, just you and I. So um, this movie, I'm going to give it from a historical standpoint because I like historical movies anyway. I've got to give this one four popcorn buckets. I don't know what you thought about I it. I agree. I give this four popcorn buckets as well. 
So go see Oppenheimer. It is here. It is at the King Cole Theater right now. Uh, we'll get to Haunted Mansion a little bit later on in the show. But, you know, now we've got to talk about what's going on in Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's this week in Hollywood. So first up, we have to talk about where we're sitting right now with the actor strike. And it's about the same place we were last week with the actor strike. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, though, the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors voted to send a letter to the major studios urging them to return to the table uh, to talk with the striking actors. It's the 85th day of the Writers Guild strike and the 10th day of the SAG after strikes uh, against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The board also uh, sent a similar motion uh, during the, the WGA strike. So, uh, once again, you know what? This one is not going anywhere anytime soon. I think everything I've read... Maybe around Halloween time, October, something like that. So, so buckle in, get ready, because it's going to take a little time. Oh yeah, it it truly is. Um, another one that kind of caught me off guard, and it's mostly because do we really need this one? Uh, Thomas Hayden Church was interviewing recently, and he said he's heard rumors of a potential new Spider-Man film directed by Sam Raimi and starring Tobey Maguire. Uh, he said potentially the the great thing about Raimi potentially directing another Spider-Man flick with Maguire, and, and he wants to be a part of that one. Do we need another Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire in it? You know, it'd be nice, you know, if they, they you know, do kind of like an older uh, version, kind of like how they did in the um, Across the Universe. You know, they have an older Spider-Man. Maybe he's mentoring someone. You know, something like that I can see. You know, there's also the, the Spider-Man with the kid that he has. Uh, so, you know, it depends on the story. As you say, if the story's there... Yeah, as and long it as makes it's not sense. the Flash. And then, okay. And then before we get out of here, we got to talk about the box office. Of course, last week, Barbie reigned supreme, $162 million at the domestic box office for Barbie. Um, Oppenheimer came in second with $82.4 million. Wow, that's a big difference. That is a big difference. But you go, girl. I, as far as everybody is thinking, Oppenheimer is going to come close to making money. Yes. So that's a good sign, especially in Hollywood right now. Uh, Sound of Freedom, number three, pulled in $19.8 million. That brings its total to $124.4 million. And then, man, MI7, Dead Reckoning, $19.3 million on the week. And that's 1186 over the life of that movie. And then Indiana Jones, $6.6 million <laughs> at number five with $158.9 million. I, man, that's just not good. And they, they, no. they talked a lot about um, one of the main reasons for the big drop in Mission Impossible is because they lot of, lost a lot of IMAX screens to Oppenheimer. Yes. So that'll do a lot for you as well. All right. So today's show, we're going to talk about the Haunted Mansion, give you a review of that. Reboots and remakes, because the Haunted Mansion is a reboot. Uh, the original came out in 2003 with Eddie Murphy. And then CGI effects versus practical effects. We're going to talk about those things as well. That's going to be a very interesting conversation uh, that I, I really want to pick Ryan's brain on. But first, of course, here's an honest movie review. 
It's now time for another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 1995 and look at Cutthroat Island, the action adventure flick starring Gina Davis. We set sail for Cutthroat Island! More gold, jewels, and plunder than you've ever dreamed of. I'm gonna split you open. One of the biggest box office bombs of all time, and for good reason. MGM should have just made a porno. It might have been better. It would have been cheaper, and certainly more honest. Can't wait to speak with you again next week. All right, Cutthroat Island. Did you ever see it? I did, I did. I've got to admit, I've never seen it. I've heard how bad this movie is. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I think the biggest reason that it was so terrible that people were just so disappointed in it is the budget was just enormous. And if I can remember correctly, she was married. Was it Rennie Harlan that directed this? Yeah. And yeah. he and they were married at the time. Yeah, well, well the, for some reason, the studio thought to make Gina Davis an action star. And that's definitely not her genre. And here's the sad part about it. It killed the pirate movie genre for quite a while <laughs> oh yeah yeah quite a while so all right we'll be back in just a moment with our honest movie review of disney's the haunted mansion so stay right where you're at everyone on set shut up shut up these two buffoons are about to talk about a new release dave and ryan's movie review segment one action what's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it, so you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is Disney's The Haunted Mansion. Inspired by the classic Disney attraction, The Haunted Mansion, a single mom named Gabby hires a tour guide, a psychic, a priest, and a historian to help exercise her newly bought mansion after discovering it's been inhabited by ghosts. Let's see what Dave and Ryan think about Disney's second attempt to capture the magic of the attraction in The Haunted Mansion. Well, I feel like they we we definitely agree on the fact that they did better than the 2003 version with Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, like a hundred times better. So we need to talk first about we we talked about that movie. Uh, that was just not a good film. No. And then this movie has actually been in the works since about 2008, 2010, and it was actually Guillermo del Toro was signed to do this movie. That's how long this movie has been sitting, waiting to be made. Um, this version, of course, uh, Rosario Dawson makes is the uh, lead actress in this one. You've got Owen Wilson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jared Leto makes an appearance in this. Tiffany Haddish, uh, Winona Ryder is in this movie. Um, and they just kind of sneak her in a little bit. But the movie starts out pretty innocently as um, Rosario Dawson and her son move into a haunted mansion. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Um, they hire a gentleman who you don't really find out until almost halfway through the movie. He was actually a scientist and him and his wife, he met his wife and she was a, she did ghost tours. No, uh, you find that out. Well, you beginning. find that out, but I was just, I'm getting to the point where you don't find out what happened to the wife. Okay. Yeah. So 
anyway, she gives ghost tours, and the two of them can't see eye to eye because, of course, he's a man of science, and she believes in ghosts. How does this happen? <laughs> so I- anyway, something happens to the wife. You find out about halfway through the movie. He ends up taking over her ghost tour service, um, and he still just struggles with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, one day, Owen Wilson comes knocking on his door, and you never really know if he's a priest or not. I guess he is. He shows up, ends up being one by the end of the movie. Yeah. But he's dressed as a priest, and he's looking for this gentleman to go and help Rosario Dawson and her son, because he has actually invented, the, the gentleman has invented a camera that takes pictures, and you can see the ghosts yeah, in it. Like a ghost particle camera. Right. So he goes there, and he really is just humoring her the whole time. Yeah, he's going out taking fake photos. You you can tell he's making the sounds and like, chuk, yeah. chuk, chuk. and then he's he's taking notes at the end of the little walk through, and he's like, he kind of just tells her, you know what, people think that things happen and they really don't. Yeah, he was definitely just in it for the money. He was. So he leaves. Well, guess what happens? He gets home. Something has followed him home, <laughs> and. He shows up back at the house and she's like, well, we knew you were going to be here (laughs) because they did the same thing. Her and her son dealt with that. They left and she said it didn't matter where they went, what hotel they went to. Something followed them around. So they just came back. And um, then he comes to find out that Owen Wilson lives in the house now because he's trapped there. Yeah. They enlist Danny DeVito, who is a professor. They did not want him in the house. They did not want him in the house because he has a heart condition. Yeah. Um, and then Tiffany Haddish is a medium or a psychic. Yeah, who, she, I can't she remember what she a said. Tricked into it. So I- I- anyway, it goes through, and they f- try and figure out what is really going on in the house. Um, and you find out the story and what happens and everything like that. Um, I liked the movie. I really did. And of course, everybody somewhat lives happily ever after at the end of the movie. Yeah. Put it that way. Even the ghosts. Even the ghosts. A budget of $157.8 million. Here's the scary thing, though. Other than the movie itself, they spent so much money making this movie to make a profit. They have to make anywhere between four and $500 million. This they're, movie's not going to do that. They're not going to do that, no. This movie is not going to do that. Um, if you are a true Disney fan, and if you love the Haunted Mansion ride, that is what this whole movie is about. It is it is fan service, really. Um, there are so many things in this movie that if you know the ride, you're going to see them. The hitchhiking ghosts are there. The paintings that change. The paintings that stretch. The Hatbox Ghost, played by Jared Leto in this movie, is the main villain in this whole movie, and you will learn to hate Jared Leto at the end of this movie. <laughs> he did. He did a good job. He did. He did a really good job. But if you are a true Disney fan, you you need to go see this movie because you will enjoy this one. Uh, in fact, I, I found a couple of little fun facts. Um, the place where Jared Leto grew up and lived was named Crump Manor. And it was named actually after it was a little tip to the hat, tip of the hat to Raleigh Crump, who was a Disney Imagineer. And he has he received his Legend Award in 2004. Now, sadly, he just passed away in March of this year. Um, And then the the main manor where they're at is Gracie Manor, named for Yale Gracie, uh, who was also a Disney Imagineer. And he received his he received his legend status in 1999. And legend awards are a huge award given by anybody that's really haven't given to anybody that has made a huge contribution. 
to Disney. It doesn't matter if it's in a film or if it's an Imagineer and a ride or anything like that. And these two gentlemen really had a lot to do with the Haunted Mansion. So there is a little Easter egg for you. Um, at the end of the day, though, I give this movie four buckets of popcorn. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, the, the effects were great because we knew they were going to be because they were Disney. Yep. But if you are a true Disney fan and you love the, the Haunted Mansion ride, go see this one because I think you're really going to enjoy it. See, and for me, I, I enjoyed the movie, but I'm not a really big, big Disney fan. You know, um, around the office, you know, we've had some conversations about, you know, the Disney ride and how, you know, the movie plays homage to certain things in the movie. And, you know, it's kind of from an outside perspective. Um, you know, the movie was good. The camera work was amazing. The lighting, all that. The effects were really good. You know, they it's Disney. It's not going to look like the Flash, Gummy Berry. But, you know, um, so overall, I gave this uh, three popcorn buckets, and I really enjoyed it. Good family fun, I think. Yes. There are some jump scares. It is rated PG-13. Yep. And I think you're about, what, an hour 50 into this one? Yeah. So it's it's not an overly long movie. It's not going to put you in the theater for more than a couple hours, which is kind of nice. But it's, it's a fun movie for the whole family. Uh, PG-13, but that's mostly because of, I think there are some things in here that may, you know, like jump scares, like I said, that'll well, yeah, give and, kids and a little it's a, pause. You know, the movie's about ghosts, you know, so there is death in the movie. Yes, so go see that one. If that's not your thing, um, what is it? This one is at the Price Theater. So that means at the King Cole Theater, we've got Barbie, we've got Oppenheimer. Sound of Freedom moves back to the King Cole Theater for, I believe, it's just five days, they said. Yep, and then we get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which is what we're going to be talking about next week. So go see a movie, go see this movie. Just get out and go have some fun, all right? Yeah, go have fun. Okay, coming up, we've got we got to talk about reboots and remakes. This, like we said, was a reboot. Yes. So there are plenty of other ones, and we're going to kind of go through some of them and talk about maybe why we think they worked and why they didn't. So stick around. We'll be right back with that. Hey, idiots. We're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two. And action. Let's be real. Hollywood is utterly screwed when it runs out of reboots, live action remakes, sequels, and artifacts of old school nerd culture. You know exactly what I mean. Many of us grew up watching timeless, kick-ass films with great characters. Unfortunately, those just aren't being made very often now. Instead of new characters, we get Melissa McCarthy, Posing as a female Peter Venkman. Idiot. But not all reboots are bad. Occasionally, Hollywood will regurgitate something it digested years ago, and it actually looks better the second time around. Now that you're visualizing Hollywood throw up, let's listen in to Dave and Ryan and their conversation on Hollywood reboots. So when we first approached this category, I, I had to go and run the Google machine. And, and tell pe- let people know kind of where we're at. So I, I looked up the difference between a reboot and a remake. So a remake is redoing essentially the same film over. Yep. Okay. A reboot is regenerating like the, the general st- idea of the original story, but updating it, maybe rewriting it, but not, uh, not the original show, but a new version of it. Yeah, telling the same story, but in a different way. And the one that they used is probably the best example of a reboot and I would have to say that one was pretty good. The the Star Trek movie that came out in 2009. Yeah. That one was pretty good. That is a great example. So, yeah, it just seemed like Hollywood gets so tired 
of having to come up with new ideas. So they're like, well, this movie did marginally okay. Let's make another one. Yeah, that's just that's just the studio and the big the bigwigs being lazy. You know, oh, this movie did well. Let's just revamp it. You know, instead of coming up with a new idea. You know, and and with where Hollywood is right now, when everything kind of goes back and people go back to work, we could see more of them for a minute. Yeah, just to get things back on track. And, and as I said, the the haunted mansion, it's a I would call it it's a reboot. Yes, it is a reboot of the story. So. Uh, with that in mind, we thought we'd go through, talk about a few reboots, uh, talk about a, fo- a few movies that, you know, maybe have been made too many times <laughs> or maybe haven't been made too many times. And the first one that came to mind when we were talking about it, for some reason, everybody beats down the first Mortal Kombat movie with Christopher Lambert. <laughs> was it a good movie? It was okay for the time. It was okay for the time. The effects were okay for the time. It definitely did not age well. It did not. And uh, the other thing about it, too, is uh, Christopher Lambert didn't age well either. No, no, he did not. So we did get a new Mortal Kombat just a few years back, and I didn't think it was that bad of a movie. I rather enjoyed it. It was really, really good. I'm going to be honest. I did not see it. And luckily for us, we're supposed to be getting uh, a new one, a sequel to the first one sometime next year. We'll oh, see how that so turns out. So it did out. that good that it, it did. got a sequel. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, some people may say that the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters was the worst it reboot the ever worst. made. It is horrible. You know, the guy in the dark room said that there was. Yeah. If you're willing to, you know, walk off a plane just to get away from watching a movie, I, I would say <laughs> this just this movie just didn't work. No, you know, and you know, don't don't get mad at us. It was not the all female cast. That's that was not the problem. It was the story, and Melissa McCarthy. And the other thing about it too is, is if you're going to go after and redo a movie as I and I'm going to say it as iconic as Ghostbusters is, if you're going to go after and redo that, you've got to be very very careful with it. Yeah. You got to get it right or don't do it. Or if, if because if you don't get it right, the people that you're making the movie for will hate you. And they did. Yes. They really and truly did. <laughs> so um, we're supposed to be getting another Ghostbusters movie this December. It is supposedly done and ready to roll. Uh, the date is December 20th, 2023. I still need to see the last one. Very good movie. And I'm looking forward to this one as well. Um Will they ever make, we were just talking about this, will they ever remake the Fantastic Four to where people like it? I doubt it. You know, like we talked about earlier, those characters are hard to nail. You know, you got so th- four different, you know, attitudes coming in. And, you know, it's going to take multiple movies to make one Fantastic Four. I think the only way that the Fantastic Four will work is with casting. And you've got to put big names in it that people would want to go see. Yes, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say they have to build a backstory like they did with Avengers. They did individual movies for each character, and then they the Avengers movie brought them all together. I feel they have to do that with the Fantastic Four because if you just start off where you expect everybody to know who these characters are and their backstory, it's going to fail miserably. So a little bit more of a backstory. Uh, we are supposedly going to have the cast announced 
at D23, which is a big Disney convention coming up in September. I don't know what the writers or actors strike will have to do with that. But we're supposed to get a cast for the new Fantastic Four announced at that one. Uh, we've had people rumored uh, John Krasinski from The Office, uh, who actually played Reed Richards in the second Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, and honestly, I thought that was a good casting choice. It was. Uh, then we've also had uh, Margot Robbie has been thrown around as Sue Storm. I don't really see that. I've heard Ryan Gosling attached to this movie at one time. Please don't. I, I just, I mean, there's so many names that are swirling around this movie, so we'll see what really happens with this one. Um, the next one up is Batman. Okay, so we were just talking about that one. The Nolan trilogy was a reboot. Yes, it, it was. truly was. And then we just got another one with the uh, Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson version. Yeah. And they are actually now with everything that's going on in Hollywood, the second the sequel to that version has been shelved. Yeah. They don't know when they're going to get around to making it. Uh this will make you happy. James Gunn has however named um Andy Muschietti, who was the director of your favorite DC movie of all time, <laughs> The Flash, as director of a brave and bold Batman movie. Really? So that could be interesting, but, man, I don't know about your choice in directors. <laughs> unless he's gonna, unless James Gunn's going to have final say. We'll see how that works out. Uh, next up, another one we talked about, Tomb Raider. The movies yeah. with Angelina Jolie were okay. Yeah, you know, for the, the time they came out, you know, I was, you know, a teenager when they came out. So, you know... Um, Angelina comes on screen in the tight shirt. Yeah, ever. Yeah, let's go watch that let's movie. Let's go see that. So, based on the video game that I spent many, many sleepless nights trying to beat. Oh, that game was so hard. It was. It was a pain. Um, but Phoebe Waller Bridge, that is most known for probably Fleabag and, of course, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, she's been set to write and produce a series for Amazon. Oh, a series. A Tomb Raider series. With maybe a movie and a new video game is even a possibility for I that. Can, I can see a series working out for that because, you know, it's about adventure. and it, So you know, have a different story yeah. at least to kind of drive the you know, whole thing. You know, one story for the whole, you know, overall for the whole season. But, you know, getting there instead of spending three hours in movie theater going, are they there yet? Mm -hmm. So that, could, that should be coming up sometime. That one's actually slated the series for 2025. She's not going to star in it. She's just going to write it and produce it for them. Okay. So there is hope, if you're a Tomb Raider fan, that more Tomb Raider will be on the way. Now, this one here has been around for a long, long, <laughs> long time. Yes. Uh, Planet of the Apes started all the way back with in the, wasn't it in the 60s with Charlton Heston? Yes. And Filmed you, in Lake Powell. Yeah, you damn dirty ape. Get your hands off of me. <laughs> um, story of a man who is an astronaut goes to an alternate universe where apes rule. Yep. And uh, humans are basically just cattle. They had plenty of movies there with, with him in it. Yeah. Then they tried a reboot with Mark Wahlberg that just didn't, that it didn't was work. So bad. And, and that really lays at the feet. Everybody kind of lays that one at the feet of Tim Burton. He directed that one. Yeah. Just didn't work. No, not. It's like they, they kind of went with the same story, but then, he made it back home, and it wasn't home. It was just like future ape time. Yeah, so uh, that one was interesting. And then the the recent, the more recent ones, I thought were pretty good. Yeah, I like the original one with the uh, you know James Franco in it, and it kind of gave 
basically how the whole yeah it gave you a story started. And I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking for a story. Yeah, they just they don't want to jump in the middle. They want to know how it started. Right. And so that one there, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, is set to be released in 2024. Ooh. So, uh, RoboCop. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the reboot. With uh, Joe Kleinman? Yeah. Yeah, that one I didn't think was terrible. The yeah. first one, you'll never beat the first one, though. No. No, no, with all no. the with everything in it, you know, uh, Red Foreman is in that movie. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was an interesting take, an interesting movie. Uh, I, but I think that it got too carried away. Uh, I'd buy that for a dollar. That's right. <laughs> they actually, the first version of RoboCop actually had three movies. If you can remember that far back, yes, yes. And they even had this one. It was, was kind of shocked me. It had a TV series in 1994. Yeah, and uh, RoboCop was even wrestled yeah. professionally. So uh, th- th- with Amazon purchasing MGM, they're trying to maybe revitalize the RoboCop franchise. TV series first, yeah. and then a movie. So uh, there's that one. Dune. I saw a trailer when we went and saw Oppenheimer. There's a trailer for the du- Dune Part 2. Looks fantastic. Yeah, and I, I, did you see the first one with them? I did, I did. You know, D- D- Dune's, Dune's kind of a special case because it's been rebooted so many times. It has. It has. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's based off of a book. Uh, the first one was in 1984, which was a pretty good movie uh, for the time. The The effects were a little... And was that wonky. the one with, with uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Sting? Was that yes. the one that he was in? Okay. Yes. Okay. That was that one. And then um, there was a, a TV series in 2000. Um, and then there was also... Um, Another TV uh, movie that was based off of the sequel book, uh, Children of Dune. Those was in 2000, 2003, and then the latest one in 2021. But there was actually uh, another one that was supposed to be done way back in 1970. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever seen. There's a documentary out there. I know I'm going to slaughter this guy's name. Jorowski's Dune, which was, if you watch the documentary, it's a French documentary, and it goes off, and he's like got these elaborate sets about it's all colorful like um it's kind of like psychedelic but honestly i don't think there's been a dune movie that's really done it justice these newer ones are good but i still think they could be better and the of course the the next one part two is supposed to come out this year but i've been reading and hearing rumblings that it might get pushed to 2024 so we'll have to keep an ear out for that one. I, I could I could see it coming out maybe uh, around the holidays, maybe after Thanksgiving or even after the New Year's, right after the New Year's. Those those would be ideal places because you know those are the big money making uh, spots. Money for making movie. times a year. Yes. Um, another one, Jungle Book. Now this was actually Disney's first live action movie way back in 2016, and a lot of people don't think- call it live action. Almost everything, you know, we'll get into that in the next section, but almost everything in that movie was CGI. Okay, can I finish my statement now? Are After you good? We, yeah, go okay. ahead. Um, <laughs> they, a lot of people think that they that was the only one that they've got right. The Jungle Book with, with, the, with the John Favreau Jungle Book. Uh, when it comes to live action remakes, a lot of critics feel like that movie is the only one out of all the live action remakes that they've done that they got right. Okay, that's their opinion. Well, I I see you differ. (laughs) Your opinion must differ. Yes. Okay. Uh, But I thought it was a great movie. And anytime you want to make Bill Murray Baloo the Bear (laughs) and 
Christopher Walken as, as King Louis. Let's do that. Let's just do that. Uh, a Star is Born. This actually, this movie has been remade four times. Yeah. Did you know that? 1937 was the original. Then 54, 1954, the movie actually starred Judy Garland. If you can believe that. In 1976, of course, we got the Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson one. Interesting side note, uh, the Chris Christopherson role could have been Elvis Presley. Really? Yes. <coughs> but some guy named Colonel Tom Parker didn't want him to do it. So, um, And then, of course, the Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. And Bradley Cooper actually even directed that one. Yes, yes, And that's probably, honestly, for my money, that's the best one out of all four. Oh, yeah. Did you know they even... Uh Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, they sung that song at Coachella. Oh, did they really? Yeah. That one I did not know. I remembered seeing him. Uh, they sang it together at the, I believe it was the Oscars, yeah. when she had the wardrobe malfunction, and he came <laughs> and saved her on live TV. Yes. So uh, that was a good one. Judge Dredd was one that you really liked, the new one. Yeah, I really liked uh, the new Judge Dredd. That came out back in, what was it, 2012? And, yeah, it was definitely a lot better than the original one with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more gritty. Um, the effects in it were, I thought, were amazing. The, the slow mo effects from the drugs uh, that they took, it was just amazing. I thought how they did that. So we have that one, uh, Mission Impossible. Of course, we talked about yep. that one. Uh, you've got Dead Reckoning Part Two coming out next year. This one I thought was interesting because it was so bad. It killed an entire universe at Universal Studios. And I'm talking about 2017's installment of The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Yeah, that was horrible. But a lot of people don't know that the original Brennan Fraser Mummy was also a reboot. Yeah, the, that's been remade in many, many times. Yep. I think you go all the way back to the, even the 1932. 20s? 30s. The 30s for that one. But the thing about The Mummy with Tom Cruise, it was supposed to kick off what Universal called their Monsterverse or their Dark Universe. Uh, you were going to get titles like The Invisible Man starring Johnny Depp. And they had already, there's you can actually find photos with all of them together post, you know, talking about these uh-huh. movies. Uh, Johnny Depp, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Russell Crowe. He's actually in The Mummy movie yes. as Dr. Jekyll. Um, uh, Frankenstein with Javier Bardem. Uh, a Van Helsing reboot with Channing Tatum. I mean, you were going to get all of these movies, yeah. but Tom Cruise had to go screw Tom it up Cruise with the mummy. Killed it. He had creative control over the movie. That's why there's. It's called the Mummy, but the Mummy's hardly in it. And and so you have that one. The only one that I have found that is still out there floating around, and of course it's in pre-production. So God only knows what that means. Uh, there is a Wolfman movie out there with Ryan Gosling attached. That's, that's going to be interesting. I just don't see him as Wolfman. I, also, I don't see him as an action star. Did you ever see the one with um, Benicio Del Toro and, and Anthony Hopkins? Uh, yes, yes. And yes, that I one did. wasn't terrible. No. A lot of people thought that the makeup and the, the wolves, when they turned into the Wolfman, was kind of hinky in it. But I didn't think it was that bad. Um, Ocean's Eleven, I actually loved all three, 11, 12, and 13. I loved all of them. Oh, yeah, the ones with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. The original starred yep. really the Rat the, Pack. Yeah, the original one. Uh, if you've watched it, it, it hasn't aged very well, but it's still pretty good. Not too shabby. And, of course, uh, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are attached to another reboot of Ocean's Eleven. Why so it'll is be Ryan Gosling Ocean's, in everything now? Ocean's Barbie. I don't know. Ocean's Barbie <laughs> Ocean's and Ken. Bar- yes. Barbie gets to be a Barbie, <laughs> con artist Barbie. 
Yeah. There we go. And then bringing up the end, I we had to talk about this one because this movie is un- <laughs> it's meant it is a comedy. It was a spoof. Yes. And in 1967, you had a movie called Casino Royale came out, which was if I believe if I remember correctly, the first time James Bond is seen on screen as a character. Yes. Uh, David Niven was a James Bond. Yeah. Woody Allen was Jimmy Bond. <laughs> um, you had William Holden, Peter Sellers, Ursula Andress, John Huston in this one, and Orson Welles. If anyone saw the remake or the reboot with the Daniel Craig version, uh, the main villain in that, played by Mads Mikkelsen, was called Le Chief. Orson Welles played that character in this movie. So, I, you know, they came a long way. A lot of these movies yeah. have come a long way. And I just hope, and we're going to talk more about it in the next segment, too, when we talk about uh, CGI with practical effects. I just think people want good movies. Yeah. And I think that's what the problem is now. So good story. It's not a problem if you want to remake something or reboot something. Just make it good. Give it a good story, right? Exactly. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about CGI versus practical effects when we get ready, and we'll come right back. All right, imbeciles, everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. Let's hope this first time segment goes better than Ryan Reynolds' attempt at the Green Lantern. There's no question that today's movie technology has advanced past our wildest dreams. Sometimes a special effect in a movie looks so real, it can take your breath away. Like the very first time the T-Rex appeared in Jurassic Park. But for every jaw-dropping moment, we do get a CGI debacle, like the Scorpion King in Mummy Returns. Sometimes it's better to stray away from CGI. We all remember the mustache ride that DC gave us with Henry Cavill in Justice League. Right, Dave? These DC jokes just write themselves. <laughs> Let's compare the two methods. It's practical versus CGI. All right, so we, we kind of approached this one because this is this is really your forte. You like talking about effects and visual effects and, and those kinds of things. So I'm kind of really just going to turn this over to you, and we'll just kind of go back and forth a little bit. How's that sound? Yeah, that's great with me. All so right. To give you a little history about uh, effects, the very first CGI effect was in the movie Vertigo back in 1958, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. And uh, it was actually the opening credit scenes that they had where it was the first time letters came in moving and um, you get a sh- close-up of her eye and the word vertigo comes out from it. You know, so that was, you know, that was uh, the first thing ever done CGI-wise and people were just mesmerized with it. And then the first uh, CGI that was actually in the movie with a person was in the 1973 film Westworld, where uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, it's um, robots take over um, this place um like a millionaire's luxury getaway but uh he uh, the robots revolt and um he's actually tracking someone uh infrared and uh, if with the special effects it looks if you've ever played the original mario game the it's all like 8-bit pixelated this was way worse than that <laughs> it, it was like blocks and you see like little smudges but that you know it was the first time anything like that was done and so, you know, special effects, there's 
practical effects and there's CGI. Uh, CGI is computer generated images, which is uh, mostly what we use today in uh, almost films. There are some uh, practical effects and um, I'll go over that and s with some movies that are great examples. But uh, I want to start with the uh, we uh, in the intro. We talked about Jurassic Park and, and Jurassic Park to me. Uh, it, it is, and, and you sent me a video to watch to kind of get me ready for this, yeah. and, and I think that that was what the guy was hitting on, and that's kind of what you said, is is that there is a balance that you have to have in CGI and practical. You can have them both, yeah. but it's got to be balanced correctly. Yes, it's got to be balanced correctly, and it's got to be used correctly. See, uh, in order to get a uh, CGI effect to look good, it's got it takes time and it takes money. That's why some movies you hear, oh, it took over, it took a year for it, this movie to be made. That's because they wanted to get the CGI correctly. They didn't want gummy bears. They wanted something that looked realistic. And in Jurassic Park, um, a lot of people don't know that there was CGI in the original 1993 Jurassic Park. A lot of, they used a lot of uh, practical effects, you know, the big anim animatronics with the T-Rex. But every time you see the T-Rex run or the um, Velociraptors jump around and bite and stuff like that, that is a mixture of CGI and practical. They, be, you know, they did have a big T-Rex. They had uh, big suits made up for the uh, raptors, but they also use uh, image capturing and motion capturing to blend the two together so you didn't see the people in the suits. And uh, when uh, the T-Rex is running after the Jeep, you know, you can't really do that animatronic-wise or else it's going to look glitzy. And then also in the, the big scene where the T-Rex comes through the fence, all the wiring, wire, wiring in the fence—that's all CGI. The like sparks coming off from when he tears through the fence—that's all CGI. And the other one that you talked about, and it showed up in that video. And we've talked about that too. Um, uh, Marvel movies are just over the top with CGI. Oh yeah, it. like any Iron Man movie that you've ever yeah, watched. His, his he's outfit. not wearing the suit. Nope. He's not. In fact, they they tried it on him, and what I heard is they tried it on Robert Downey Jr. And it was so heavy that he really couldn't act in it. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we got to figure something else out. And the other thing about it, too, is, is you hear all these movies. Okay, this movie, we just wrapped production on this movie, and it'll be released in a year and a half. Yeah. And that's why. That's what you yeah. said. They have to, you know, do the CGI, time and money. Uh, I, know, I know we talked earlier this in one of our previous shows about how China is uh, really ahead of us in CGI. And that, you know... Uh, we haven't really gotten there because we still do a lot of practical effects, which is fine. I love practical effects. I love CGI. But um, an example I want to give for practical effects is the uh, original Aliens movie, 1979, I believe. Everything in that movie was practical. The aliens were big costumes. The, uh, the little alien that bursts out through his chest, practical. Everything in that movie was a practical effects effect. There was no CGI at all. And the other thing about it, too, is uh, you fast forward to now and the movie, if you've, if you've gone out and seen it, the movie Oppenheimer is all practical effects. Yeah. No CGI in that movie unless you count that they had to put a dress on Florence Pugh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's all practical yeah. effects. Yeah. And that also shows in the price tag of the fact that it just cost a hundred million dollars. I'm saying just but a hundred million dollars to make the movie Oppenheimer. Yeah. Well, if you recall, um uh, the, the original Sonic movie, they had a, everything was done. 
but Sonic looked like a horrifying monster. And so they had to take time to redo that CGI to make him look like Sonic. And so I, I guess really what we're saying is go and watch these movies. Do a little re- research if you want to afterwards and say, hey, you know what? Was that really a practical effect? Was that a real effect? Because there's a lot of times when you've watched stuff. I mean, you talk about the fact that um, a lot of things and Lucas is famous for painting. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's seen the original Star Wars, <laughs> the scene with uh, where the Darth Vader lands and he's walking through and there's all those Imperial stormtroopers there. That was all painting. And to go further back to that, if you've seen any of um, oh, what is his name? Uh, he played the tramp, Charlie Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin. If you watch his movies, there's a, there's most of his is, uh, he did what, um, George Lucas did painting, um, when he's roller skating and it looks like he's going to fall into like, uh, the second floor. All of that is painted and it's just camera angles and, uh, artists that make it look really, it's a practical effect. And the other thing too, and, and it came as, like I said, and we just hit on it before, Uh, came from that video is you know what people want the the cgi cannot be top notch but people just want a good story they just want a good story out of a movie and you'd be surprised of what's cgi and what's not there's some things that are cgi that just for no reason like the whole mustache we yeah. talked about earlier. The whole mustache. Didn't need, didn't need to happen, but there it was. And they got rid of it. <laughs> they they could they could have got it, you know, uh the fake mustache and put on there and made it look a little real. But no, let's 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 make it gummy bear. That's right. All right, so there you have it. Uh CGI versus practical. Do your research, find out what you want to see and uh see what you think and and maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're like, "Oh, that's that's computer and maybe it's not. Maybe it's a practical effect and you never know." That's going to do it. We made it through another week. And, you know, we'll, we'll just, I guess we'll just get out of here and we'll talk to you next week. How's that sound? Let's do it. And that brings us to the end of this week's journey. But don't worry. Dave and Ryan have more movies to watch and more opinions to spew next week. You'll be the first to hear about the reboot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as they return to the big screen with Mutant Mayhem. Dave and Ryan will also stand on their soapbox and talk about films that are overrated. You can relive and download today's episode at CastleCountryRadio.com. We'll see you next week on Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. That's it. That's a wrap. See you next week.